World Cup Road Trip is supported by supersimplecards.com. Get 12 cards for only $38. All shipping is free. Supersimplecards.com with the offer code World Cup. The Russians have landed. Welcome to the World Cup Road Trip. Francis Leach and Tony Wilson taking you on a journey around Russia for the FIFA World Cup 2018. We're in Moscow to meet the concierge. Always a smart move in any hotel. And Tony is looking for omens in Hungary. If this is your first time on the journey, hello. Hop on board. We'll catch up with Tony soon. I think he's still in Hungary trying to make his way to Moscow before the opening game, which is a couple of days away. Starting to get that sense that something really special is happening in this huge city and the hotels are filling up. Now, any smart traveller will tell you that if you want to know what's really going on, get in with the concierge in your hotel. You know where to go, what to do and who to see, and just as importantly, what to avoid. So I headed downstairs in our Moscow hotel with the Green and Gold Army, the Salute Hotel, where about 500 Australians are about to descend upon, and I met Kirill, who's a young Russian who works the front desk. Fascinating young bloke who gave us a bit of an insight as to what the World Cup means to young Russians, how they feel about the way the world perceives them, and also what it's like to live in Putin's Russia. Let's check in with him. Kirill, is there a real sense of excitement around Moscow for the World Cup? Uh, yes, definitely. There, um, as I do know, that will be around three million people who will be arriving back to Moscow here for the World Cup, uh, and it will be, I suppose, the the best uh, the best summer uh, with lots of uh, different nationalities. How important is it for for Russians to show a different face to the world to the one that people presume about the country and the way that it's portrayed overseas? Does that matter to you guys? Uh, you know the main the main thing I suppose the best thing that uh, we have the World Cup this year after the sanctions after all these problems which were happening around the world with Russia I suppose it will be a very nice solution uh, for the guests for the foreigners to know that Russia is not uh, that bad but maybe the government <laughs> <laughs> you're a young man you grew up in the post-soviet era and we're in this hotel but tell people about the history of this hotel because this belongs to those times doesn't it uh true story uh it has been built in the 1980 before the olympic games the soviet olympic games in 1980 uh it was built as a three-star hotel and by the moment they have started the reconstruction in 2000s and uh, little by little till the 15th year, 2015, they have made the main reconstruction and now they have uh, got four stars. What do you get told about the Soviet era as a young person who wasn't born in that time? How do you look back at that in the history of, of Russia in those times? Uh, it is very interesting to, to have a look to that times. Uh, thanks God we have lots of uh, different monuments from the Soviet time as well as Seven Sisters, the huge Stalin skyscrapers which was built uh, in the city center. We have several museums of World War. We have museums of aviation. Um, if you prefer to go and see the Soviet time, we can find the places for you to know this. <laughs> Do you find it funny that uh, people like me are actually fascinated by Soviet history? That I guess if you're Russian, you might look at that very differently, that the Soviet times were tough times and uh, best forgotten. Uh, also true, even my family was uh, being repressed 
during the Soviet time, and uh, that's not the good part of the history, the one which we would like to forget, I would say. What happened to your family in those times? Um, like the political, uh, the political time, and uh, my great-grandfather great was repressed and uh, sent to Siberia for 10 years. And do, do people openly talk about their family histories like that, or is it something they'd rather move on and forget? Uh, no, 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 ne- never forget. Uh, that's definitely, by the moment, one of the main things to to remember. The same as the World War II, to remember this this moment and to remember what was happened with the with the people who, by chance, got uh, to the prison of Germany or somewhere else, and when they. We're returning back here. They got to prison in Russia. Moscow's remarkably different to when I came here. I came here in 1994 uh, in the post-Soviet times, but it was a drab city that was in chaos, really. No one was really in charge, uh, and uh, it was a city that was on its knees. I come here now, I cannot recognise it. It's a modern, contemporary, almost European mm-hmm. city. It's an extraordinary place. Uh, yes, even even me. I was born in 1991, and even from that times, and maybe 10 years ago, I cannot recognize uh, most of the places. The streets were uh, not that wide in the city center. The buildings were much older. The hotels also, there were not that big amount of five- and four-star hotels from the chains. Uh, by the moment, everything starts to be more and more European, I would say. Uh, and that's great. But the mentality of the Russian people still remains the same. <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe that mentality? Um, I would say um, R- uh, Russia is um, surrounded by lots of enemies, even by the moment. That's about maybe 50 or 60 percent of people are thinking that is still the same. And uh, we have to fight with everybody. And of course, the main our enemy is America as always, as it was, and it will be, I suppose. Uh, but for the young people who, uh, who were studying abroad, like me, um, I don't understand how it can be really possible by the moment to, to think that we have lots of enemies. Is it hard then, as someone who wants to show a different face of Russia to the world and, and have a different experience in Russia politically, to live here under the Putin uh, government and when it's you know when things are maybe not the way you would like them to be? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. Um, I would say that will be that will be very very difficult by the moment because uh, you can even you can even go to prison if you will post in the social network something which will be not that good for the political thing so it is a very dangerous time and even for us the young uh, the young people that's much even more uh, dangerous not to say something which can bring you to the places are you optimistic that that'll change i don't know I don't know. Maybe this will change, but uh, it is already for 18 years. <laughs> now let's talk football. How important is football to you, Kirill? Uh, unfortunately, I was I was only playing in rugby when I was living in France, so I'm not that fan of soccer, but I'm the fan of rugby. But still, it is very interesting to see how the Russian team will be going and uh, till what time it will be staying. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a Wallabies fan then? Uh, yep. 
Yeah, that's the, 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 the that's definitely like this. <laughs> I find the only Russian Wallabies fan in the country, and you're right here with me. Definitely, that's that's just mystical. Well, we'll have to make you a Socceroos fan now. You, you with the Wallabies, surely you can be a Socceroos fan. Uh, I would definitely see several several matches, uh, including Russia, and I have several guests of mine who are coming here to several towns to see Peru and Dania and Norvegia, uh, Norvegia. Uh, how they will be playing so it will be interesting Kirill there's about 500 Australians that are about to descend on your hotel I tell you by the end of next week you'll be wearing green and gold and you'll be a Socceroos man that will be perfect (laughs) (laughs) good to talk to you my friend my biggest pleasure thank you World Cup Road Trip is supported by supersimplecards.com. Get 12 cards for only $38. All shipping is free. Supersimplecards.com with the offer code World Cup. Well, Tony Wilson's not quite with us in Moscow just yet. That's because he's still chasing the legend of French Pushkas in Budapest in Hungary. Tony's making a film about Pushkas and he went out to Pushkas' home club, Kishpest in Budapest, a famous old club that uh, Pushka served with great distinction before the 1956 uprising when everything changed in Hungary. The club still exists, but it has a very different face these days. Its owner is a maverick Hungarian-American by the name of George F. Hemingway. He's quite the character. He loves his football, and Tony got to know him. Hello, Francis. Hello, road trippers. He's the owner of Budapest Humved FC. Uh, they were the champion side in the first division here last year, and perhaps more notably, they were also the side, the army side, that had many of the great magical Magyars of the 1950s, including my beloved Ferenc Pushkas, who I'm making a documentary about at the moment, about uh, Ferenc Pushkas and the South Melbourne Hallis. Um, so we're visiting here in, Bar- in, in Budapest to see the Pushkas sites, and that included going back to his original Hungarian club, and it included meeting Hemingway, who shared his thoughts on the Magyars, on Pushkas, and on Hungarian football. In the time of Pushkas, what sort of a club was it? Well, it started uh, in 1909 at, as Kishpest, uh, which is a part of Budapest. And it went on, it was a prominent club um, in the first division all the way through. And then in the 1950s, uh, the then uh, communist uh, regime decided that it once wanted to nationalize in, in a way the teams. Every team got an owner. Um, Ferenc Varys belonged to some uh, uh, union. Uipest uh, became the uh, team of the Secret Service. Uh, MTK became a team of somebody else. And Homebay became the team of uh, the Hungarian army. And renamed it Homebay. Uh, which means uh, the name of a soldier who defends his country. That's Ombe. And uh, more or less, Kishpest and Ombe was the name, and in 2003 became the final name, uh, Budapest Ombe FC, FC being a football club. And uh, Kishpest is uh, in our emblem as a location, uh, we have, uh, we're in the first division, of course. Last year we were champions. Um, we have uh, probably the best academy in the region with 100 young men, and the most of our 
team comes from the academy. So if you take us back to the Pushkas era of domination, why was that team so good? Could they just pick any kid who was conscripted anywhere in Hungary? In the late 19, middle to late 1940s, early 1950s, everybody played soccer in Hungary, and a few geniuses uh, came out of this, uh, this uh, tremendous mass of people. And these geniuses were people like Tsibor, Kocic, Bozik, Pushkas, of course. And um, they were fantastic. So now uh, the uh, owner, the then owner, the Ministry of Defense, decided that uh, Home Bay should be very strong. So they drafted some players, drafted meaning, okay, you want to play here or you want to be a soldier? Or you want to be a soldier but only play here? And so a lot of people chose the option of remaining soccer players and not um, really going into the army. And therefore, Homebade got, Homebade had some three, four geniuses and got another two, three geniuses. So therefore, Homebade became a fantastic team, was beating the Brazilian, everybody was beating everybody, and um, remained so until 1956. 1956, Pushkash and some other people, both in Hungarian soccer and Homebade soccer, became football. In America, we call it soccer, but I understand in uh, Australia, they probably call it football also. Um, uh, they uh, decided that they had enough of a regime of mass murderers, so they decided to go to the West. And from that point on, of course, Hungarian soccer went a little bit downhill. Pushkash uh, became an icon of Real Madrid. Um, and others became Barcelona and other teams. You know, they, they played, so they, they had a fantastic Hungarian players. And they took Hungary about... 10, 15 years to get, you know, produce very good players again. And in the 80s, 90s, they still had some good players. Uh, in the early, until the early 90s, then um, industry left football in Hungary. And Hungarian football kept going down and down and down and down, believing that uh, they couldn't go any lower, but they did. And uh, by 2000, Hungarian soccer was very low. I, I bought the team in 2006. Uh, was at the edge of extinction, really. Uh, and uh, started building from there with an academy. So that's, that's the story. To take us all the way back to the 50s again, um, obviously Pushkas was made a soldier or was already a soldier in the army. Do you have any legendary stories of the, the incongruity of a man like Pushkas being a soldier? Well, uh, you know, his uh, main saying was, to the defense ministry when they complained that uh, in a particular week the team wasn't performing well. He said, uh, little money, little football. Big money, big football. That was his, that was his uh, Ars Poetica. And uh, he was a, uh, he had a legendary good heart. And anybody who asked him for something, for some help, he always helped. And uh, he also, um, uh, when he went to Real Madrid, the legend has it, and I think it's true, that any time Hungarians went to Spain to ask him for something, help, or whatever, he always helped. Therefore, even though he made a lot of money, he was not a rich man. Uh, and um, he, um, I mean, there were lots of uh, bets, for example, he bet, um, his, one of his favorite bets was that he put a shirt 
on um, the goalpost. And he said that uh, he will hit that shirt every time from uh, 20 meters, 20 yards. And he did. And, uh, you know, he would bet with people. And he goes, well, you can never hit that. You never hit that 20 times. It's ridiculous. But he did. And um, his uh, house, where he lived with his family, was where our second, built exactly where our second um, uh, pitches. So the house was demolished when we expanded uh, because there were houses on where, where the second pitch. They, uh, he and Bozik were kids from this region, Kishpesh. And legend, ha- legend has it that they didn't go to school. They just played uh, their uh, ball was out of rags when they were kids and the rag balls they played. And they could do anything with the ball. They really could. If you watch him, um, I, I saw him later when he was grossly overweight and he would pick up a ball with his foot and he could do anything with it. Even though, you know, he was in no shape. What about the Mighty Magyars? Can you put their performance in perspective? How dominant they were, how long their losing streak was, oh, winning streak was, and, uh, and of course there was the famous loss in the middle. Can you, can you explain that to people? Yes, they uh, started... Uh, their winning streak in the late uh, 40s, early 50s, and their winning streak uh, lasted uh, all the way to the uh, uh, 1954 World Championship, you know. They lost to Germany, of course, in the final. Um, at that game, Pushkash was injured, and uh, he should not have played, really. But, you know, he was Pushkash, and they could not keep him from playing, and he wanted to play. And uh, that was a big break for them. In, in fact... Uh, in the communist uh, dictatorship, that was the only known period prior to 1956 that there were demonstrations in Budapest. And uh, the government did not allow them to come into Budapest on the train. Uh, they had to get off on a train someplace else because they were concerned that they, they, the population would start a revolution. At that time, football was, you know, like, like everything. And... Um, the population was uh, convinced that for some reason, uh, for some gain, the government ordered uh, the players not to win against Germany. At that time, West Germany, because, you know, so West Germany was one of the big evils. Uh, Konrad Adenauer was the chancellor at that time, and uh, he was like the bad person. So uh, they also, you know, Homevade also went for long periods without losing uh, games. They had the uh, superiority, and the same team played all the time, for the most part, very, little, very few substitutions. And they were, just, they were just better. I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team, for a period of years, was just so much better than anybody else in the world that they just became champions after champions after champions. Because they had five players... Each of the five players were better, was better than another five players of another team. So they couldn't lose. Well, I think it was the same way this way. They had 11 fantastic players, plus within the 11, they had four or five geniuses. Now, you know, Messi is a genius. Uh, perhaps um, Cristiano Ronaldo is a genius, but there are very few of them. Very few of them. And that team had four or five geniuses. 
And what was his scoring record for his country? It was, it was 84 and 85 or something? Well, he, he scored uh, in most places. He played more than one goal per game. That's a fantastic uh, average. It's unbelievable. And uh, in terms of what he represents to Hungarians, um, does, he, does he even now cast a, a beacon? Well, uh, Pushkaj is by far the most famous person in Hungary. More famous than the king who founded the country. Certainly more famous than the politicians who came after him. And he's uh, revered. I mean, nobody will say anything bad about Pushkaj. Also, his jokes and, and so on and so forth um, became part of the folklore. And in terms of the whether that can happen again, will, will Hungary ever have a side like the Magyars again? I don't think, might, I don't think anybody will have the mighty Magyars. You know, the, the world grew up and I don't think there ever will be a team as dominating, as domineering as the Hungarian national team was at that time or Homvain. Uh, if you take a look at Real Madrid, which is a fantastic team, it's not that domineering. I mean, they lose games. They didn't win the championship in Spain this year, for example. Or uh, you look at national teams. You know, sometimes Germany wins, sometimes Brazil wins, sometimes Portugal wins, you know. European Championship, the World Championship. Uh, it, you don't have that. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. It's the same question: Will there be another uh, another Mozart? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure that there will be one. Well, we've got a World Cup coming up, and, and it is one of the famous World Cup. Well, I guess it's a World Cup disaster in Hungarian terms. Can you put it in context for people who don't know the way that that tournament unfolded? Can you explain, with all the pain that it is for a Hungarian, what happened in 1954? Well, um, everybody thought, everybody believed, not just in Hungary, but all over the world, that Hungary will win the World Championship in 1954. Um, at the beginning of the championship over there, when they started, Hungary beat Germany by several goals. And nobody thought that Germany was a real opponent. They were afraid of other teams, but not Germany. And Hungary went on and presented phenomenal superiority during the contest. When the last game came, um, you know, perhaps the team had a bad uh, day, but even so... Pushkash played injured, which he shouldn't have. And just one of those things, they had a small loss. Uh, they scored, didn't they? I think they scored the first two goals. Didn't yes, they? yes. And then uh, they lose 3-2. It's a phenomenal... It's a phenomenal pain, isn't it? It, hap it, it happens, you know, as, as, um, as unusual, as, as terrible that is, it happens. Things, things like that do happen. Um, last year, for example, everybody assumed that Videotown, which is a very high-budget high team in Hungary, would be the champion. And, you know, they were, were the same points as they did for almost all spring. We, were, uh, we had the same points they did all spring, and they were just waiting for us to fail. 
And for them to fail, for them, nobody thought they would fail. They didn't fail. We didn't fail. So in the last game of the season, we still had the same points. And we just beat this team 1-0 in the final game. I mean, and then they said, well, you know, we had a terrible game or whatever. But football is a kind of sport, unlike, I think, basketball or handball or even tennis. Um, the team that's the better in terms of quality does not always win. There are other things, you know, there are just other things that ephemeral things that, that, that just happen and sometimes the best team is not the best team. What about the famous stories? We've heard little ones in Australia there about his appetite and his sense of humour. Uh, we've heard stories... Are there things that, like, for example, um, we heard one of, this was a Hungarian story, when he was approached by a general and told to button up his shirt. Is that a, is that a true story? Have you heard that one yourself? Or? No, I, I haven't heard his story. So this was, um, you know, he's, he buttoned up, his said, you need to button up your shirt. And he said, uh, I'm a general, do so, Mr. Pushka. You are, you know, I'm a general. And he said, the Hungarian army has many generals. <laughs> There's only one Pushka. I'm sure. I'm sure he said it because he had, he had, he had that... Um, that kind of humor. I also uh, uh, heard heard the story that um, he, he, someone came to him and gave him some order. And he didn't want to do it. And he says, "Oh, you know, you know who I am." He says, "Well, I know who you are, but in a few years you'll retire, and you will be a pensioner. But I still be Pushkash friend." I heard that. So, so um, yeah, he he, um, he was aware of his own value, but uh, he was a man with a very good heart. There's no question about that. I met him, and, and uh, I met his wife also, Ergineni, who died, uh, he died in 2006. She died in 2016. She lived 10 years longer. And, um, you know, he was, a, he, he was a guy very much with middle-class values. He, uh, he was very happy being among his friends. He loved to eat. That's why he, I don't know how many pounds he... he Added, but he had a big stomach at the end. He loved to eat, and uh, he loved to be with his uh, old friends. He loved to talk about it. He loved uh, children. We're just uh, having a beautiful statue that will be ready. We're opening our um, uh, training center in end of June or July uh, here, not far from here, and we have a beautiful, huge statue, uh, Pushkash with children. Um, he loved children. And he loved Hombed. I mean, this was this is the only team in Hungary. There's no other team. He, you know, he was here uh, until he left, and then he became a uh, icon at Real Madrid. I mean, if you go to Real Madrid, you go to Spain, they will tell you, you know, they have really two icons, uh, Di Stefano and Puskas. Those are the two guys. They played together, and uh, they were good friends. Actually, Puskas told me that. Um, I asked him, how did he get along with Di Stefano? And he said, you know, he says, when I first got there, when I came to position, we were together in front to shoot. I never shot the ball. I gave it to him and he shot. After that, he loved me a lot. <laughs> you going to go over to Russia? No. <laughs> no. You know, I would go over the U.S. If the U.S. would play, I would go. Yeah, yeah. If Hungary played, I would go. What am I going to see? I don't know. I can see it better on TV. Yeah. I went over to see uh, 
the last, the one before last year, Juventus Barcelona uh, Champions League final about two years ago, I guess, uh, to France, and uh, I was a big disappointment. Uh, play wasn't terribly good. This year, the same thing. You know, the finals tend not to be such a great games because everybody's very cautious. Everybody's afraid to lose or get a goal or whatever. And uh, also, you know, to be honest, the, na- the, the era of national teams are over. So um, let's say the best Hungarian team for sure would beat the Hungarian, cha- the, the Hungarian national team. The best Spanish team for sure would beat the Spanish national team because of, of uh, these fantastic players they buy here and there. And you know, the national teams that were so important in past decades are less and less important because the best games are in the Europe League, Champions League contests, not, or domestic contests, not uh, between the countries. What about Australia? Do you know, um, do you know much about the Ferenc Pushkas period in Australia? All I know is that he went there to be, to be a coach to a team and he won a championship with them. That's, uh, that's uh, all I know. And they were Greeks. The people, the people, Hellenics or something like that. The people who uh, hired him. And uh, it was a very la- the latest thing in his career. The very, very end. And what about when he came back in the 80s? Um, I think it was a very emotional event. Can you tell the story of him being shut out and banned and from 56? Well, and then the emotional homecoming in the 80s? Well, you know, uh, you know that uh, the difference between... There were two communist uh, dictators. One was from 48, 49 to 56. His name was Rakushi. And there was another scumbag named Kadar. He was from 56 to 89. Um, and uh, the difference between the two of them were that uh, Rakushi kept destroying the country and its people and killed thousands of people. Kadar killed hundreds of thousands of people between 56 and 60, but after that he didn't. He um, tried to um, become the father of the country, which is very difficult for a mass murderer. That's my opinion. So, um, Pushkash left in 56, became an icon abroad, and he was an obviously irritating uh, person in the eyes of, of uh, in the eyes of uh, the communist leaders, and in fact, he would have uh, been uh, punished with uh, severe penalty if he re- returned, like uh, he would have been in jail and so on and so forth. Especially because he was a soldier theoretically, and it was a desertion. You know, they say he's a deserter. <laughs> he deserted the country. Okay. Um, and uh, that was true for a whole bunch of other players Um, so the people of course thought this is nonsense I mean what the heck but uh, as Hungary was um, getting deeper and deeper into the hole and was depending on the West for credits in the 80s they tried to pretend that this is uh, this disaster is some sort of a um, uh, 
better thing. That now they're going to be more, they're going to try to be democratic, a little bit more democratic or whatever, because they saw the collapse of, of this whole thing. And when Ronald Reagan came in um, uh, the 80s, and from 80 to 88, he uh, told the Russians that he's going to build more arms and they will push them into poverty. This also um, had a, a effect in Hungary. And the Hungarian uh, communist murderers started they started being afraid that something is going to happen. And they started making gestures. Now, letting Pushkash back into the country as an honored citizen suddenly was one of those gestures. They also allowed uh, people who in the past were um, imperialists, I don't know what, back into the country. And at the end of this period is when I started coming here to do business. Because... Uh, I figured the collapse is imminent, which of course it was. If they did not turn thing, uh, turn the power over to the people, they would have collapsed. The regime would have collapsed from the inside because it was not a sustainable, uh, not a sustainable thought. One of the big lies of of, of the country, and 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 um, you know everybody says Adolf Hitler was a bad person because. He killed six million Jews and, and, and more people. And I said, of course, he was a horrible person. But Stalin killed about 30 million people. Mao Zedong and, and the other communist guys killed 60, 70 million people. So in Hungary, over here, they had killed people too. These were these guys. So Pushkash was an icon because the people saw him as a, um, uh, as a light. Somebody that had honor, somebody who did something for the country, and somebody who was not associated with the scum that rule the country. What happened when he died? What happened in those last years? Oh, well, they, they buried him in the cathedral in the, in the most important place in Hungary. And every year we have all kinds of celebrations uh, for him, both when he, the day he was born and the day he died. And, of course, our team is his team. I mean, uh, so, so there's a, another academy. There's an academy called Pushkash Academy, but there's nothing to do with him. Just... They named him Pushkar's Academy, just because uh, he's in one of the villages. But, uh, you know, we're the only team that he had. It is common among Hungarians that even if they're a great guy, they say sometimes bad things about him. But nobody says anything bad about Pushkar. He's a guy everybody loves. So that's his big, that's his big thing. He's a guy everybody loves. So, um, and he was a, he was a person that trying to be nice to everybody. Maybe that's why. I, I met him several times and, and um, uh, totally not pretentious. I mean, here's the guy who was the greatest player. The only, only player that I always thought about there that was an equivalent was Pele, the Brazilian guy. He was also totally, I met him too. He was also totally non-pretentious. He was just himself. You know, that's here I am. You know, I smile at you, say hello, I shake your hand. I'm being a nice guy. So that's that's uh, that's what Pushkash had. Have you retired the jersey? Pushkash's jersey is retired here at Kipest. Yes, yes. Could you just say that over for us? Well, uh, his uh, jersey is retired uh, because of his, uh, you know, who he was, and uh, I think 
we retired it long, long, long time ago. And uh, he's, um, you know, I'm sure that there is somebody in Australia who in Australian football or fly fishing or whatever people like over there is, is, is a great a, a guy who, you know, everybody says, oh, yeah, like Babe Ruth in baseball at home. You know, it's like Babe Ruth, you know, the Babe. Well, Pushkash is that guy except bigger because it's a small country. A small country needs a uh, hero. And Hungary didn't have too many heroes. Did you see the game this week with the Socceroos? And how would you rate the game, the performance, and even Australia's chances in the upcoming World Cup? Well, I have a handicap because I actually saw Australia play um, last Saturday. And I have to tell you that both the Hungarian team and the Australian team uh, were quite bad. And and uh, I don't give him a chance. It's <laughs> fair enough. Tony Wilson there in Budapest at Kishpest, Pushkas' famous old Hungarian club, talking to the wonderful George F. Hemingway, the owner. Hey, we're one day closer to the start of the tournament here in Moscow, and we will keep rolling on the World Cup road trip with you. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes or whichever platform you prefer to use. Tell your friends about our podcast. If they're into the World Cup or they just want to go on a rollick and ride through Russia, let them know about us, and we will be back with another edition of the World Cup road trip very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.